Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're talking about the physiology and psychology of stress. Nicole, welcome to episode number 64 of the fabulous Eat Right Nutrition podcast. Today, we're talking about stress and we're going to talk about the physiology of stress and some of the things that it does to your body. We're going to talk about pros and cons of stress. We're going to talk about cortisol and we're going to talk about nutrition. We're going to talk about some of the benefits of stress. And we're also going to talk about chronic stress, how to manage stress and We'll finish it off with some supplements. Sounds good. So part of the reason why I want to address the stress thing is because, I mean, the real answer is I was at the gym working out and I texted Nicole and I was like, oh, my God, we got to do an episode on stress. And she was like, yes, let's do it. And the reason why I texted Nicole that was because recently I took the leap of leaving the job that was full time and then part time and then no basically no time to <laughs> go all in on eat right nutrition i was like it's time let's go we're doing well we're in a good spot and the i i noticed a change in my workouts mm-hmm. and i noticed a change in my sleep and i just everything i noticed a huge change and i kind of feel like i was constantly in this hamster wheel just running and running and running and running. And I, you know, through working with people and listen, I've helped individuals through stress management for years and years and years. And I I think it wasn't until I really experienced the, that I went through that kind of leap where I'm like, wow, like this is really what, like not being stressed feels like, like chronically stressed. Right. So I I do Mm -hmm. think that oftentimes I, I, I don't know. Like I, I keep hearing that this is like a, it's a U.S. thing, right? It's a, it's a United States, like it's an American thing, where we are just constantly go, go, go. And I think for anybody listening to this episode, if you've experienced, and I think a lot of people, I've had many conversations with individuals, uh, both clients and colleagues and friends, and you know everybody surrounding me with the the COVID, right? When COVID happened. I was at Mm -hmm. home. I had time to think I'm working from home. I'm a lot less stressed. I feel better. Right. Mm -hmm. Obviously the initial kind of bang of COVID was a stressful situation for all of us. But what came after that was a lot of me time, a lot of realization. I need to travel. Mm -hmm. I need to focus on me. I need to eat better. I need to take care of my fitness, my sleep. Right. So I think this is an important topic to address because I do think we get caught up in things or in a lifestyle that is just chronic stress. And that has a huge impact on your health, your exercise, your results in the gym, which is something that we talk about often, uh, and just overall your quality of life. What is stress exactly physically versus psychologically? Like, is there a difference between physical stress and psychological stress? I don't think so. I mean, I think it's all tied together, right? It's kind of like how like your food is tied with your 
whole life and everything's kind of intertwined. Mm-hmm. Uh, a stress, you know, when I look at stress, I look at, okay, well, how, why does stress exist? Mm-hmm. And then we start to look at, okay, well, stress exists for some good reasons. So stress exists for, it's like this fight or flight response. That is, if I'm a paleolithic hunter gatherer, I'm going to go back to back in time. If I'm a paleolithic hunter gatherer being chased by a tiger or a lion or something, I need to respond in a certain way. So Mm -hmm. there are a lot of physiological things that will happen surrounding that to make sure that my body is prepared to either fight or run. Yeah. And that is stress. But there's a difference between that kind of like acute stress versus that chronic stress mm-hmm. that where it's it's almost like micro stressors that we're feeling that accumulate through time. The, the chronic stress is the dangers that you're talking about, like repetitive stress over time. And I feel like a lot of people like you're describing feeling stressed in a job. I think depending on the person, a lot of people can go for a very long time not knowing that they are chronically stressed until they stop. And I think this is what you're talking about with COVID. When things slowed down, the people that were chronically stressed were relieved and were like, wow, I really was doing too much. And I didn't even realize that I was doing too much versus some people can really handle that much better, that chronic stress for them isn't as intense. So their perception of it maybe not be as as intense. I don't know. Well, yeah. So perception, you said, is the key word. Right. And that's something that we I want. I do want to dive into that when we get into stress management, because some people perceive stress differently than others. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is almost kind of like an important skill to develop in terms of how you're managing your stress. Well, if you perceive stress to be greater than it is, don't you feel like their physical stress would then be higher? A thousand percent. I mean, you know, your psychological stress is going to be the driver of whatever you're perceiving Mm -hmm. is going to be the driver of how your body is responding to it physiologically. Right. Okay. And there are a bunch of things going on. So let's kind of dive into that and let's start talking about the physiology of stress. Okay. Your central nervous system is in charge of your fight or flight response. So it starts with a stress placed on you and this stress can be a physical stress or a psychological stress. So some examples of physical stress, for example, exercise, Mm -hmm. exercise is a physical stress. It is like a small stress inoculation over periods of time that ultimately make your body more resilient. So that's it's kind of like a a plus to or, or a pro to stress. So exercise is a stress on the body. And we're going to get into that when we talk about why exercise isn't really a stress management technique, because oftentimes I hear people say, okay, well, and when I ask them, what do you do to manage your stress? And they say, oh, well, I work out. And well, I'm like, well, that is a stress on your body. That's not Mm -hmm. a stress management technique. So exercise, let's say you break a bone. That's a stress. You cut yourself. That's a stress on your body. That's a physical stress. Mm -hmm. And then psychological stress is loss of a loved one, relationship conflicts, right? You you know, you're arguing with your husband or wife, divorce, financial stress, work stress, all the things that we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. Now, when these stressors are placed on you, your hypothalamus in your brain sends signals to your adrenal glands to release epinephrine 
and cortisol. And if you know, most of our listeners probably have heard, hey, stress increases cortisol, cortisol increases belly fat, right? There are some mm-hmm. bullshit supplements that have come and gone on the market that, you know, target belly fat by targeting cortisol. We'll get into that when we get into supplements. Now, these hormones, they have certain physiological impacts on the body. They rev up your heartbeat and they send blood rushing to the areas that need it most in an emergency. Your body's looking at stress as an emergency. So it's rushing blood to your muscles so that they can work your heart, your lungs and other important organs in this process. During the stress response, you breathe faster in an effort to quickly distribute oxygen-rich blood to your body. Stress hormones also cause your blood vessels to constrict, which will have an impact on your blood pressure. Your blood pressure is going to end up rising. The rush of hormones, rapid breathing, and increased heart rate, you also, you know how people get, um, I think we talked about this maybe with Bridget or uh, one of our gut people. Mm-hmm. It's Bridget or Ryan, Ryan, where it's you get you get stressed out and then you have an upset stomach or you get stressed out and you have diarrhea or you get stressed yeah. out and you get queasy. Right. So that affects your digestive system. You're more likely to have heartburn. You're more likely to have uh, acid reflux because of an increase in stomach acid when you're stressed out. Right. So mm-hmm. your body physiologically is responding to the stress that's placed on it. Everybody's is different. Right. So I may feel physical stress and sweat more or breathe heavier and you may have physical stress and maybe don't sweat as much, but maybe your stomach gets upset over my stomach getting upset. Like everybody has a different stress response and then how intense it is based on my perception of the stress will also increase that too. Listen, if I get stressed out, I notice I grind my teeth. I was just going to mention that because we talked about that before offline, me and you way back when you were so tight in your jaw. Yeah. And right? I get and I um, ended up going to the dentist for that. I get what. Yeah, because I, I woke up one morning and my teeth hurt. So I'm like, I think <laughs> I, I I'm like, I think I've literally been grinding my teeth at night so much yeah. that I and this was, you know, back a few years ago when I was under high stress at the time. Yeah, I was grinding my teeth so much. I woke up and I'm like, I broke all my teeth. There's no way they're not broken. <laughs> literally, they're all cracked. They're they fractured. Hurt. Right. It's like and I went there and that dentist is like, no, 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 you're fine. Like you have strong, healthy teeth, but mm-hmm. you need a mouth guard <laughs> to protect all of the damage. And it's going to be 500 bucks. <laughs> and I just pulled out my wallet and just gave her the car. I'm like, I was in so much pain. I was like, you could convince me. It's you could tell me it's going to be three thousand dollars and I'm yeah. going to give you my card because I'm in so much pain right now. So, yeah, there are but a think lot of-, of that, though, right? You grind, you felt stress, grind your teeth and feel so much pain pain being the key word that you were willing to do anything to get out of that position. But if you didn't work on the reasons why you were stressed, even with the mouth guard over time, it wouldn't have a short term fix. The other piece, too, is that's when I met Dr. Applebaum. Yeah. Where I I'm like, I'm having heart palpitations. Like, I think something's wrong. Give me an EKG. Give me a stress test. Give me all this stuff. He was like, dude, you're stressed. and, And that was chronic stress. Right. And we all go through it. There's nothing. It's not like there's something really. Well, there is something wrong with it, but there's nothing wrong with you for being chronically stressed. And here's the other thing, though. You felt those symptoms when I get chronically stressed, which I have been many times in life. I am absolutely, completely and totally exhausted 
to a point where talking is hard. I can't get enough sleep. Like I have actually the opposite effect. Like my, I don't get like the racing heart and the, the tension in my body. I actually feel like my body completely shuts down. I can't physically do stuff. I can't like, it's hard to wake up. I need caffeine, which is hard on my stomach anyway, but it's the only thing that gets me going. So I feel like, you know, everybody has a different threshold. Mine is, this is too much. You have to stop physically. There's a, there's a, just like anything else, Nicole, there's a pendulum that swings. Right. And on one side of that pendulum, there's like this acute stress response where the epinephrine, right? Also known as adrenaline, adrenaline Mm -hmm. increases your heart rate, your blood flow, all these things that are going on physiologically in response to an acute stress, like you're being chased by a tiger, like we mentioned. And with that is increased alertness, mm-hmm. right? But if that stress is chronic, it does have the potential to like, so you're, you're more alert, you're more awake, right? But if it's chronic, you, your body does have the potential to swing in the complete opposite direction. That's and then me. you're tired, you're depressed, you mm-hmm. memory function, right? Like yeah. memory is better due to stress in certain instances, but you also have people who are chronically stressed, you'll find memory loss, right? So the other piece, Nicole, that I want to talk about is stress's impact on, you know, kind of like macronutrient uh, utilization or substrate utilization, right? So your carbs, your fat, your protein in order to meet some physiological demands, right? So, you know, when we're talking about, hey, like the survival mechanism, your body increases under stress, your, your liver actually produces more blood sugar, Mm-hmm. breaks down liver glycogen to produce more blood, blood sugar to give you that kind of boost of energy, right? So, you know, we're also talking about chronic stress. We're talking about the increase in, you know, substrate manufacturer utilization, however you want to look at it and the effect on, okay, well, if you're chronically stressed, how is this affecting your insulin levels, right? Yeah. And driving fat storage because you're increasing your blood sugar and you're increasing your insulin. Which also changes the food choices that you make. So for some people, it does increase the cravings for certain Mm -hmm. like carbohydrates, right? Sugar and things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's interesting, you know, people are different on this. And I had found some information a while back on the um, like salty foods and cortisol and stress. It Mm -hmm. hasn't really been validated. It's been validated and I I don't want to call it validated, but it's been shown in some rodent studies, but we couldn't really reproduce it in humans that, you know, like people will quote. Uh, crave uh, sodium or salty foods yeah. when cortisol is elevated. So I don't really know if that's a thing or not, or that needs to be studied further, but yeah, definitely like carbohydrate cravings. I mean, listen, I, I get stressed out and I'm like, give me a cookie. I was just going to say stress eating in general. Well, Nicole, we, we've, we've mentioned in a previous episode, we talk about stress eaters and stress starvers, right? Exactly. That that was kind of your point. Do you want to dive into that a little bit? Well, I think it's just what you're talking about. Like if you're a, if you are someone that gets stressed and things get amped up, your body gets more tension. So you clench and and grind your teeth or you, you know, get really amped up and your heart rate gets higher. That to me is a stress like rever, like you're up. And so you may also be the type of person that's a stress eater because things get amplified and you want more food and you want to eat to feed and curb the the stress response where me, I'm the complete opposite. My body slows down and shuts down when I'm stressed chronically. I'm 100% a stress starver. I don't get hungry. I don't want to eat. I'm the, we are the complete opposites. And that's a perfect example of are you a stress eater or a stress starver? Like what type of response do you have from a food choice or food standpoint 
when you get chronically stressed. And because I'm not talking about getting stressed once when you talk about just, uh, you know, you have a stressful workout. I'm not hungry after my stressful workout. It's a good stress. It's for the positive. I'm talking the repetitive stress that little by little starts, starts to chip away at the way your body functions. Nicole, I want to dive into a little bit about the benefits of stress because stress isn't all bad and it's there for a reason and it's right. there to make our bodies more resilient and to adapt. And then we can kind of dive into a little bit more on some of the chronic stress stuff and its impacts physiologically on the body. The benefits of stress are that stress, and we kind of touched up on this a little bit, is it improves in the immediate, it improves cognitive function. Mm -hmm. So there are studies on rats where they found that a significant but brief stressful event, they, it causes stem cells in their brains to proliferate into new nerve cells and you're increasing neurogenesis, nerve growth factor, all these things. And then when those nerve cells mature after two weeks and they do like mental performance tests on these mm -hmm. uh, lab rats, they find that they, they test better, right? So yeah. there, there is a benefit to stress. It's, it's meant for you to adapt. So, you know, where this benefits the animal, the human, the rat, whatever else, like it's, you're able to remember where something stressful happened or how it happened. And then you're able to deal with it in the future. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're talking about things that the human body does. It's all for survival of your being. So mm -hmm. we do have to look at it from that positive aspect. Like you go through a stress in a certain place, you increase nerve growth factor, you uh, create, you know, nerve, uh, nerve cell proliferation, and you now you can remember clearly that stress, right? You can that's kind of embedded in your brain. That's wired, hardwired into your brain so that you can deal with that in the future. Let's look at the flip side, Nicole, when we're talking about chronic stress. Uh, much of the research has demonstrated that chronic stress elevates stress hormones, which actually suppresses the production of new neurons and impairs memory, right? So that's like what mm -hmm. we're talking about. Like it swings both ways. Stress can be something that makes you better. It's just, it's like we're talking about, it's the question of how much stress you're, you're being put under. The next benefit that we have, Nicole, on stress is that moderate stress also improves immune function. So moderate stress is shown to stimulate the production of interleukins, um, white blood cell production, and it gives the immune system a quick boost to protect against illness. And actually moderate stress is shown to protect you against the flu or the cold. Mm -hmm. Chronic stress lowers your immunity and increases inflammation in the body. And inflammation is another piece where we look at, okay, and we're saying chronic stress mm -hmm. and you're constantly in this inflammatory environment. And then we talk about like heart disease, like, and cholesterol and, you know, all mm -hmm. the things going on in, in your cardiovascular system. And, you know, then we wonder why we have such a high prevalence of, you know, cardiovascular disease in the U S I, I really honestly, truthfully think it, yes, there is a food aspect to it. And, you know, we get into, we talk, Nicole, we've talked about like dietary stress, sleep stress, mm -hmm. all different types of stress in your life, which we'll get into a little bit further when we talk about managing stress. But I, you know, I, I do think that the, the psychological stress is as big a driver as the dietary stress. And I think people don't realize that enough. Yeah, uh, Absolutely. Another potential benefit for stress is, uh, and we've seen like stress can enhance child development. So there was a study in 2006 in John Hopkins that followed 137 women from mid-pregnancy to their children's second birthdays. And the study found that 
babies born to women who experienced mild to moderate stress during their pregnancy had more advanced early developmental skills by the age of two than babies born to unstressed mothers. So the researchers basically followed 137 women. They had like self-reported, they gave them questionnaires, like self-reported anxiety, pregnancy specific and non-specific stress and depressive symptoms were collected. Like all this information was collected from them. Uh, And then they, you know, took the survey information and you know, put it all together. And, and then at the, at 24 months of age, they looked at the, the behavior and regulating emotions of these children and mental and motor developmental skills. Mm-hmm. And they found that the, uh, the children that were born from mothers that experienced more stress, even they were more resilient. So there is a, a case for that. Obviously chronic stress is probably going to have, again, a negative impact on oh, the fetus and, and development of the child. So, um, and there are other factors as well. Like, you know, you have to kind of factor in like socioeconomic status of the mother and, you know, are these like affluent people or not? And obviously you have to kind of take it for what it is. Yeah. And then the other pieces, like we've talked about stress builds resiliency. So when you experience something for the first time, you might think it's like the worst situation and crumble because you don't know how to cope with it. But as you confront different situations and overcome various problems, you train yourself to deal with similar incidents in the future. And this is also part of the stress management piece. So stress also builds physical resiliency. And we see this in the gym, right? This is the the stress inoculation that we're talking about. So stress isn't all bad. I don't want people to think that stress is all bad. It's there for a reason, but we're constantly under little micro stressors. They're not even things that are like, it's not like we're being chased by a lion all day and every day. Eventually we're just going to fall apart and get eaten. (laughs) But it's these little stressors that is just overwhelming on the system. Yeah. But you think of like, when we talk about nutrition and you talk about someone that, you know, we, we talk all the time on this podcast about when you make mistakes in your nutrition program, or you don't eat perfect every week or things start to fall apart a little bit or slow down in your progress. That is a form of like psychological stress. Like you start to stress out thinking it's not, I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to get to my goal. Those are tiny stressors. And each time you experience that stress, you get better. This is why we talk about it being a practice or progress. And each time you have a weekend that you fall off the wagon and eat everything in sight, that's an opportunity to learn how to do things better. So you don't need to stress so much about that weekend and that you get, you know, you get better as you learn more about how your body works. My point being is for what we're talking about in the health and fitness industry, I think this is a big point because too many people get super stressed of stepping on the scale of what their weight is every week of whether they did everything perfectly right or not. Those type of stressors in small amounts and in like a, in a healthy way are great ways to practice your progress and get better and learn how to do better and how you create change in your body. But if it becomes chronic, every time you step on the scale, you're crying, you're freaking out, you're worrying about whether it's going to work or not. That type of chronic stress over time can actually be detrimental to the progress in achieving your goal. So if I can like even just put a snippet of that for what we talk about the most, if you overstress trying to achieve something, you make it harder on yourself. And sometimes it can really stop your progress. If you take those things in stride and learn and grow and get better, you become resilient to those 
little mishaps and you get better and better as you go. So for me, when you talk about stress and health and wellness, I kind of think about it that way on top of just progressive overload stress on the body from a physical standpoint and, you know, all the things that we do working out in the gym. Man, I wish that came out of my mouth. Couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, you think like we talk a lot about stress too much, too little. Is it good for you? Is it bad for you? And I guess what we're really both. It is. And we're what we're hammering out here for our listeners is, you know, stress is a great thing. It can do really good things for your body. That's why we we experience it. But the, the bottom line is if it's too much stress and over time it's too much for you as the individual, it can be bad for you. That's really I mean, in a nutshell, that's what we're talking about. But from a health and wellness standpoint, I see it all too much when clients come in and they literally on top of all the stresses they have in life which you mentioned before, like work, relationships, their career, they're adding more to it if they overthink things. We've talked about this before too. For all of our listeners, you know, I think it's supposed to be fun and a good experience and something that you enjoy. So if that's what not, if you're not getting that out of your exercise program. Well, so here's the thing, Nicole, and this is, this was the thing that I had realized is that working out became no longer fun when I had to kind of force it into yes. my life. And I had, I had to squeeze it in between things. I didn't have enough time for warmups. I didn't mm-hmm. have enough time to plan out my workout. And it was just kind of all over the place. Right. And now that I see it, I'm like, all right, great. I, I need to kind of make sure that I'm constantly in this place where I'm prioritizing it, but it's not a stressful prioritization. Yeah. And if I miss a workout, it's also not the end of the world too. Right. Yeah. So there's this kind of delicate balance here. And we know the effects. We definitely know the effects on, you know, weight gain and and weight management when it comes to stress or chronic stress. We know about the immune system. We know about, you know, chronic disease risk. You know, this is where I think, Nicole, will just tie into kind of that stress management piece, because there's there's a lot that like you're trying to be in the gym and get results and you've been stressed out for a really long time. And I mean, you're talking about hormonal changes for men and women, right? Menstrual mm-hmm. cycle changes for women, right? How they experience menstruation, symptoms of menopause for women. Uh, we're also talking about testosterone le- levels and I guess in both men and women mm-hmm. uh, with with men in regards to men, obviously it's, you know, I, I think to the, the magnitude is a lot greater, right? When we look at the American population and declining testosterone levels. Well, no shit. We're eating like shit. We're not sleeping enough. We're stressed out. And then people will go to these doctors and then they'll say, I'm, I need to jump on like TRT, right? I need to take uh, hormone replacement therapy. And it's like, well, just try sleeping and eating better and like try these stress management techniques first to see. And when we're talking about stress, there's dietary stress. There is the psychological stress for things that you perceive. There is your sleep stress. There is, I mean, Nicole, what else is there in terms of stress-wise? The way you could go on and on, anything in life that can create a stress is something that can go for the pro or the con. Anything, any perception, financial. I think the bottom line is who you are as the individual. I'm going to keep going back to this. And what your perception is of what's stressful for you, it can either, it can go either way. I think you make a really good point about trying to fit exercise in if you're under stress, because I've experienced that with clients when they come into the gym like five minutes late for a session and they're rushing to come in. And I always say to them, do me a favor, go on the treadmill or go sit by the stretch machine and stretch for five minutes 
calm yourself right down. For my person that needs to get that energy out, I have them walk on the treadmill. For my person that needs to like stop and catch their breath, I tell them to go stretch. Take five minutes to kind of reset that they're there, their feet on the ground, and then we can work out. Because if you pull them out of that and get them right over to, you know, into their workout, I feel like that doesn't set them up for success in their workouts. It's the same thing when you're eating. I do this all the time. Like, have you ever eaten in the car on the way to work? I mean, I think, I hope I, I'm not, I'm not a, the only one, <laughs> but I'm, I've I'm done not, that. I'm definitely not a in the car eater. Type of eater? Oh my gosh. No, I'm, I'm in either, I've done I, that. you know, I've been like a, like I'm, I'm doing it. I'm preparing it at home or like I'm making a shake. I'm taking it with me. And then when I get to work, it's, you know, it's. So you see, you're good because you make a shake and put it in the car and drive to work and then wait till you get there. I am. I'm my hunger is very different than that. Like when I'm ready to eat, I ha- I can't I can't drive and have it sit in the car like I'll be trying to drink it as I drive because I have to have food when I'm hungry. Like I can't pause and wait. But my thing is, so I've always done that. Like I'll have a couple of hard boiled eggs and as I'm driving to work, I'm eating them out of a bag. Scarfing by the, down eggs. Dude, by the doing. time I get to work, my stomach is hurt. My stomach hurts right out the gate. Like I've learned the hard way. That's not optimal for me. I need to sit down. I need to have my food at a table. I don't know if this is my upbringing. Everything we ate for Italian meals was sitting down. We never ate on the go. That was like <laughs> so ridiculous. So as an adult, I absolutely cannot even do that. I can't even drink coffee on the car or tea or water. I have to literally be stopped. So I learned the hard way that when you talk about stomach issues, if I, I realized very quickly that half of my stomach issues, like of like pain after eating was because I was eating while I was either driving, (laughs) talking, or just distracted on my phone. I have to put everything aside and focus just on my food. And I have no stomach issue. Since you bring that up and then I want to go into the first thing that we're going to dive into when it comes to managing stress mm-hmm. and that's meditation. Yeah. And the reason why what you just said leads me right or kind of segues into that meditation is about like typically when people think about meditation, they think about sitting in a room and eyes closed. It's it's not that it's mindfulness. Yeah. Meditation teaches you to practice mindfulness. And for you, that's basically what you're saying is mm-hmm. you have to be mindful and present in the task that you're doing. And I think absolutely oftentimes when it comes to chronic stress is that our brains are all over the place yes. when we're trying to do something. You're mm-hmm. working out and yeah, I've seen this all the time. You're working out and you're on the phone and you're texting and you're you're working while you're working out. Right. Mm-hmm. Instead of that being your time, you know, I mean, you want to tell you want to sit here and tell me that. Oh, well, I work out for stress management and then you're on the, your phone working and texting and doing business stuff and like, yeah, you know, yeah. all the things that you're doing. And I'm like, well, yeah, that a working out is a stress just because it's a stress on the body. B, yeah. your workout is more stressful because you're not present okay. in your workout. Yeah. It's everything else. Right. So and I've had conversations with people. Yes, I do. In, I do like to tell people like, hey, download either Headspace or Calm. Calm mm-hmm. is the one that I've used a lot, I've, but I've also heard great feedback from Headspace where it's basically guided meditation. Now, the way that Calm works is you're doing little 10 minute intervals. And with meditation, what you'll find is meditation is supposed to kind of rein you in. So when you sit down and you meditate, the first time you do it, it's kind of a skill, right? So the first time you do it, you're going to sit down, your eyes closed, you're going to be guided through the app, it's going to tell you, okay, focus on your breathing, focus on 
you know, whatever pain you're having, let it go. And, and you're, you're kind of dialed in to your, your present in the moment. Now, the first time you do it, you're going to drift off and you're going to start to think about other things, right? The goal isn't to not do that. The goal is to acknowledge when that happens and rein it back in. So you might do 10 minutes of meditation and only really get one solid minute of mindfulness and being present in the moment. But as you do that daily and you practice that, that's going to help you to be more present. And when you're more present and you practice that meditation, that mindfulness now goes into other areas of your life. So mm-hmm. when you're eating, you're focused on eating and you're not thinking about all the other things that you're stressed out about. And then yeah. you're able to start to kind of tackle things one at a time and be present in the moment with the tasks that you're doing. And then that mental stress and that psychological stress mm-hmm. goes down and therefore the physiological response yeah. also goes down. But meditation is linked to lower blood pressure. Meditation is linked to a decreased heart rate, right? Like that, that's the reason why. Now I've had situations where clients, I, I'd be like, you know, some of the male clients where they're like, fuck meditation. Like, what are you kidding me? Like this guy's really telling me to meditate. He's supposed to tell me about what I'm supposed to eat. Right. But <laughs> the, where I've, where I've said, okay, you know what? I want you to be present. So how about instead of sitting in a room with an app or whatever it is, like, what is something that you do every single morning? And it could be, well, I drink a cup of coffee. Okay. Well, the next time you're drinking that cup of coffee, I want you to smell the cup of coffee. I want you to sip on it. I really want you to think about what that coffee tastes like. I want you to think about how it feels in your hands. And I want you to be present and just have a moment with your cup of coffee. Yeah. Yeah. That is meditation. And that is mindfulness. Yeah. Breathing is meditation. So when I get my guys to think I'm silly, when I tell them to sit down, like I have a lot of guys in my caseload that are working all day out of a truck. I'm like before, I don't care what you're eating. Like even if you're drinking a protein shake, just take three deep breaths before you start your meal. That's it. You can do it in your car. You can do it at a restaurant. You can do it at home. doesn't matter. Even just a a breath of gratitude. (sighs) Thank you for this food. And we get to eat. And it seriously, it makes a big difference for me. Breathing is, is the meditation. Cause I'm kind of like what you described. Like if I slow down to meditate when I'm trying to eat, if I'm too hungry, I, I have, I have hunger. Like when I'm hungry, I can't even like talk to you. I need to eat. So to meditate and slow down is hard, but to take three breaths real quick, I can do that and be like, I'm going to eat my food. I'm going to eat my food. I'm going to even just a quick little ditty eat my food. And then I can eat it faster. The meditation for 10 minutes takes too long. And then I'm, then I'm so hangry that I want to rip someone's face off. And so meditation goes out the window. Yeah, I know. I've dealt with it when you're like hungry and you're like, <laughs> I'm not recording this podcast right now. I'm hungry. I got to eat I'm too hungry. I can't. Yeah, I can't. I'm that person that can't. I literally cannot think. I can't have a conversation if I'm hungry. I'm, I have the hangry, this hangry, Nicole. All right. So, Nicole, the next thing, and I think this is really your specialty. So I do want you to talk about this, uh, the self-care piece and making self-care a priority in terms of stress. Self-care in terms of stress, there's such a wide variety of what you can choose. You have to know what works best for you, but it's just like exercise. You have to make time for it. You you know, if you're a female and a manicure and pedicure is good. So that's what I was going to say. So like what what are what does self-care actually even mean? And like, why is that important in terms of the stress response and chronic stress? 
Well, because if you're not, well, self-care is basically taking care of yourself, yourself being, it could be physical, like for females, I, I now speak for females, getting your hair done, your nails done, um, um, massage, or just taking five minutes to be alone. If you're a mom that has kids, that can be self-care, reading a book, painting, going for a walk outside and being in nature, all things that help you calm down, which basically de-stresses you is a form of self-care. Well, you know, it's interesting you bring up the moms because I think moms have the the biggest issue or the the most trouble with yeah, fitting it in with the self-care because it's always about everybody else and it's yes. never about them. And that's what we find often and when we encourage people to in in our coaching process to okay, well, start focusing on yourself. Like what one take one day a week to do something for yourself. And then you realize like you almost decompress, right? You, you, you feel better. You're able to think more clearly. And I tell people all the time, if you're giving all of you, right, it's like you're pouring out of an empty cup. Like if you're giving all of you to somebody else or to other people, mm -hmm. there's nothing left for yourself. And that is part of that chronic stress piece. So it's part of stress management to really focus on the things that fulfill you. And Nicole, you and I have talked about doing a fulfillment list. Yes, and this is the hoo-hoo stuff that people think I'm crazy. But then when they start doing in my coaching, they absolutely love it and they get it. They start to really understand. This is where I think when you talked about earlier, chronic stress that people are unaware that is even happening in their life. It happens all the time. People really don't know. Burnout is a big piece of, of chronic stress, too, when you're not really happy or fulfilled in work anymore and things feel really heavy and it's not fun anymore. Like you were talking about with working out, not being fun. Work cannot be fun anymore. Being around your kids cannot be fun anymore. Sometimes that's just a stress. It's this stress is just so intense that you burn out in terms of being able to actually respond. And you need to self-care is pulling yourself away, taking whatever amount of time. It could be 10 minutes once a week. Some people need just that and then they're good to go. Some people need a whole day to you know, get away. Some people need, some people need, you know, once in every couple of months, they just need to step away from things. I think it also helps people make better decisions. So when we talk about it from a food standpoint, if you are not taking care of yourself, your food choices then become an automated response without you actually being aware of what's going on. And if you take a step back, take care of yourself, have that minute to catch up. For some people, this could be just an afternoon of writing your bills. You get time to look at things and focus on things. Did you pay things? Did you do things? Is everything on time? That organization and time management piece is self-care too, because then you step away from it. And not only do you go, okay, whew, that's done. You can go get your workout out in without thinking of the 50 things that you know still need to get done that you haven't done, that, that mental distraction, I guess. Have you ever cried when you lifted, Daron? No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of a question is that? Well, because one of the things that happens with emotional stress is that we can hold on to that. And sometimes when you push through a physical stress, the emotional stress comes out. So sometimes it comes out through your eyeballs. So sometimes if I, you know, I've heard ahead. that with, I've heard that with, I haven't experienced that. Okay. Okay. But I've heard that just disclaimer, <laughs> just to claim, I don't cry does not cry. <laughs> but I have heard that with, uh, when somebody gets a massage, 
Like yes, a deep okay. tissue massage. And you, it, you know, it makes sense where people hold stress when they hold stress, they tense up, right? Your muscles yeah. tense up when you're stressed out. Mm-hmm. And then you hold that in your muscles and then you get you develop knots and things like that. Right. I have heard that I've never cr- I've I've never cried in a massage <laughs> uh, chair or table. Yeah. But yeah, that, that, that's that's a thing, right? Have you ever done Shavasana in a yoga class and cried? No, you're not a crier. OK, fine. I will stand in the cry. I section. mean, have I ever cried? In my, yeah, sure. But like, no, not- but I mean, like it, emotional release from a physical situation, like a massage. Someone pushes on something and all of a sudden you feel this. You get your body starts to get warm. You get a little sweaty. You start to release out your eyeballs. <laughs> massage, like adjustments in, from a chiropractor. I've heard it from that before. I have absolutely 100% boohooed on a Shavasana on a mat in the middle of yoga when they're like, breathe and release all of your stress for the day. And I literally feel my shoulders just come down and relax and my belly starts to relax and my legs start to relax. And I literally will have tears coming out of my eyes. It's happened to me. I don't know if our listeners, if I'm not the only one, give me a shout out on Instagram. Let me know I'm not the only crazy one that's cried during those moments. But I've also cried during um, like heavy deadlifts and squats. It's happened to me before too. Just, I mean, I work out alone most of the time. So I was by myself. If I'm in the gym, if I'm in the gym and the person next to me is deadlifting and starts crying, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? It's a release, Darone. I'm going to get here. You need tissue or something? Yeah. No. All right. So moving along, <laughs> moving along. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about when it comes to uh, stress management is stress perception. And it's mm-hmm. how we perceive stress and what we perceive to be stressful. And sometimes it's not that big of a deal and we kind of overreact. And I think it's because we're hyper stressed on a, on a, on a regular basis. So the so way you think being stressed causes be more. Yeah. Creates more stress. Absolutely. If you're overwhelmed with the stressors going on in your life and then you add something on top of that, it's like the straw that broke the camel's back. So that's why I cry when I do my deadlift stress upon stress upon stress. And you put one stress and listen, we're, we're beyond your crying. (laughs) It's how you interpret it. Right. And sometimes we have to take a step back and say, okay, well, is this really stressful? Or is it something that, you know, we have to just sometimes let certain things roll off and 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 change our perception around stress. Like, I don't know any other way to put it. Like, I think that's the self-talk piece to it. And and, and, yeah, and I've noticed even with myself that if I practice taking a step back and looking at a situation rather than reacting, then that becomes less stressful. And if I practice that over time, Mm-hmm. I developed the skill of being able to interpret things as either yeah. actually stressful or not so stressful and I don't need to react. And therefore, if I don't psychologically react, then I don't physiologically react. Yeah. Gotcha. Nicole, moving along, I do want to talk about some supplements for stress and stress management. Okay. And the first one is ashwagandha which it shows actually a few things. Uh, There's a notable decrease in cortisol levels. Mm -hmm. Um, The decrease in cortisol noted in humans has reached 14.5 to 27.9%, which is pretty significant impact. Stress and stress perception, uh, pretty notable impact on just just stress in general, right? Uh, Decrease in anxiety, uh, maybe a potential mild increase in testosterone levels. Ashwagandha is in the category of uh, what's known as an adaptogen. So the two that we have in terms of 
basically allowing your body to adapt to stress are ashwagandha. And then we have rhodiola, which kind mm-hmm. of helps a little bit with the uh, secondary uh, things that you have going on with stress. So like fatigue, uh, it decreases fatigue, it increases cognition, right? So all the things that we talked about with chronic stress. So if you're chronically stressed and you're going through these things, um, let's say you're forgetful and and because, you know, high cortisol and that's affecting you. So rhodiola is is another one. So ashwagandha and rhodiola are like the, the top two contenders in terms of stress management. But then there are other things too, like L-theanine, which helps to reduce anxiety, feelings of anxiety, uh, L-theanine being an amino acid, non-essential, but you know, not one of the major non-essential amino acids, adding that can decrease feelings of anxiety. And then things that are associated with sleep because stress is also associated with insomnia, right? So if you're having trouble sleeping because your cortisol is, and you know, this is where we get into kind of resetting your circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. So if you're having trouble sleeping because your cortisol is increased, especially elevated at night, cortisol keeps you alert and awake. Keep that in mind. Stress response when I'm trying to survive because I'm being chased by a tiger, (laughs) stress increases cortisol and then cortisol keeps me alert so that I can act and respond and I'm awake. If I'm tired and then a a lion starts chasing me or a tiger starts chasing me, I'm no longer tired. I'm a wide awake and I'm running. That's where things like GABA, um, Mm -hmm. GABA amino butyric acid uh, helps with your sleep, Uh, valerian root, which is an herb that's really good. That, That stuff just knocks you out. Uh, and then something like 5-HTP, 5-hydroxytryptophan, which uh, if you you know remember like turkey, right? You eat turkey, it's got tryptophan. Tryptophan converts into 5-HTP. Uh, 5-HTP is a, cre- a precursor to serotonin, uh, which makes you feel good. So if you're under a lot of stress, that may help you. And the uh, it's also a precursor to melatonin, which helps you sleep. And then vitamin D3, if you're deficient, is also going to be important for the uh, 5-HTP to serotonin to melatonin because uh, vitamin D is necessary for the reaction in the conversion of a 5-HTP. And then the other thing that I will uh, talk about is glycine, which has a sedative effect and it's an amino acid and it helps you to kind of be calm and relaxed. And uh, magnesium glycinate, which is magnesium bound to glycine, or just magnesium in general, right? When we're talking about stress, we're talking about a central nervous system response. And magnesium's got 300 metabolic functions in the body. And one of them is to uh, help to uh, kind of suppress or downregulate the central nervous system. And it helps you with that stress response. So magnesium in general, and anybody who knows me or any client who, who I've ever had, they'll know that I'm a big proponent of types of like different types of magnesium. So magnesium glycinate or uh, Magnesium malate are really going to be my top two in terms of bioavailability and absorption. You don't just want to, like, if you're doing magnesium, you don't just want to go to your local CVS and pick up the, what's typical is like magnesium oxide or maybe magnesium citrate. Magnesium citrate is, is decent, but uh, magnesium oxide is, I, I think I, if I remember correctly, it's like only like 25% bioavailability or even less than that. So that's, you know, you're going to have to take a lot. And that's also the form of magnesium is you're going to get more of a laxative effect from magnesium oxide than, yeah, than you are in terms of, you know, what you need for either sleep or stress or your central nervous system response. So uh, magnesium glycinate or magnesium malate are typically the ones that I recommend the most. But the biggest thing is, you know, like taking some of these adaptogens, like taking ashwagandha or rhodiola will help you in stress management and it will help you in like cognitive decline from stress and all these things going on. But just like anything else, right? 
a dietary supplement is to supplement the things that you need at the moment. It's mm-hmm. not, you, you're going to have to work on the stress management. So it's okay to kind of put a, a little bandaid over it for a period of time, but keep in mind that those supplements are in the short term, they're going to help you. And you, you're going to need to practice mindfulness, breathing exercises, focus on self-care, focus on creating boundaries for yourself, understanding stress perception, right? All the things that we've talked about Mm -hmm. and ensuring that you are practicing really that stress management piece while you're taking those supplements so that over a period of time, you can wean yourself off of the supplements. And Nicole, the last thing that I want to leave our audience with is this week starts the... Oh, the fruit challenge. The the, fruit loss. The fruit loss challenge. (laughs) So look out for videos on the feed. Look out for the story. I'm going to be documenting, monitoring everything that I'm eating. Again, I'm going to lose weight eating nothing but fruit as my source of carbohydrates. I'm going to be in a calorie deficit. We're going to do this for 30 days. So check us out on Instagram at Eat Right Nutrition. And if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week. 